He knows me. He has always known me. He shaped my heart to match His. Even when my heart wandered away, He remained true with His unrelenting love. Because of Him, my heart is full. He knows me. He has always known me. And this is the greatest love story ever told because He pursues me. Good morning, church. Good morning. Wow. You know, everybody loves a good celebration, don't they? I mean, everybody loves a good party, a good celebration. You know, any team that wins a, a division or wins a championship, they always have a party. It's a big celebration. I remember growing up, you know, we would always go and we would have a party after baseball season or basketball season. We would go to, you know, CC's Pizza and get our pizza. You know, that was a kind of our big party kind of time. And, you know, then we'd have birthday parties, right? We, everybody loves a good party. And now I'm a dad, and I feel like I'm driving my kids to all these parties. Right? I'm driving them to birthday parties. I'm driving them to these different places because we all love a good party. Well, the best party, the best celebration that I've ever been to, I have to say this, and I'm a little biased. I know that, but it was our wedding reception. So when Lisa and I got married, we had this married, we got married in downtown Nashville at a church there, and then our wedding reception was at the Batman building. And so we were on the bottom floor of the Batman building, and we were, you know, it was a beautiful night. We got married on Cinco de Mayo. I'll never forget it, right? So, you know, we have Mexican food every year for our anniversary. It's just perfect. It's fantastic. But we went there, and that night was so good. It was so great uh, that my wife, who's an introvert, didn't want to leave. I'm like, okay, we got to go. And she's like, no, I don't want to go. You know, this is great. And I, who you can tell, like to eat, and uh, I didn't get anything to eat. I didn't have anything to eat. And so we were leaving our wedding reception, and we're like, I'm hungry. And she's like, yeah. So like, let's go to Wendy's. So we go to Wendy's. We're in the drive-thru in a tux and a wedding dress. And they were like, Joey, just get married. I'm like, yeah. They go, it's free. I'm like, yes. So I'm like, save that dress. We're using it tomorrow. You know, so I'm like, it was awesome. I'm so excited. And, you know, we had this free meal. And, and it was great. But everybody loves a good celebration. You know why? Because we are made in the image of God. And God loves a good celebration. Now, I know a lot of people grow up thinking God's mad all the time at them, or God's angry, or God's... That's not God. That's not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible is a God who loves to celebrate. He loves. He is a God of joy and of grace. Jesus, who is the image of the invisible God. In Jesus, we see the heartbeat of God. And here's what Jesus tells us in Luke chapter 15. In Luke 15... It says this, now the tax collectors and sinners, quote unquote, were all gathering around to hear him. So here's the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. And they muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eat with them. You know, it's like, wait, what are you doing, Jesus? You know, you're with these sinners. And Jesus says, well, let me tell you a story. Then Jesus told them this parable. And the parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. He says, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. He joyfully puts it. I mean, he's like excited. He's fired up. He joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I found my lost sheep. Now, what's that? That's a party, right? I mean, that's a celebration. Hey, everybody come over. I had 100 sheep. One was gone. I've got him back. He is here. In the, I tell you, in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. 
You know what that's saying? That's saying God celebrates. Right? Last Sunday, God had a big party in heaven, I have to tell you. He was there Sunday morning, and a lot of people here at Rolling Hills, you know, were giving their lives to Christ. A lot of people in churches around our country, around the world, making a commitment to say, I'm following you. There was a huge party in heaven. It was awesome. And I love that we have a God who loves to celebrate. I love that we have a God of joy. And I want to tell you this. All of history is going to culminate in a huge celebration. So if you have a Bible with you this morning, I want you to see this. It's found in the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19. This morning we come to the conclusion of a really great series called God's Pursuit of You. And, and you may never have thought about it like that, but God has been pursuing you since the time you were born. In fact, we saw in the very beginning in Genesis, and starting in Genesis all the way through Revelation is a story, a love story. It's the greatest love story ever of God pursuing his people. And we saw in Genesis chapter 1 how God created man for a relationship with him. And God put Adam and Eve in this beautiful garden, and things were great in Genesis 1 and 2, and then in Genesis 3, ah, the heartbreak, sin. God, we don't want to do it your way anymore. And we've been sinning ever since, right? I mean, all of us, the Bible says we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But God didn't give up on them, and God doesn't give up on us. And the Old Testament is about God carving out a people for himself from whom he will bring the Messiah, the salvation of the world. And everybody was anticipating the Messiah. The problem was they were looking for a political Messiah, kind of like a lot of people are today. And what God was doing was so much more. It was a spiritual Messiah to redeem and to restore our hearts, to transform our lives. That's what God was doing. But a lot of people didn't get it, and so Jesus was nailed to a cross. He died on a cross for your sins and for my sins. And then last Sunday we celebrated on Easter Sunday morning as he conquered death. As he made a way, death doesn't have to be feared anymore because Jesus conquered the grave and made a way for you and I to have eternal life. And now what we see in the book of Revelation is all of history is building toward this. So pick up in verse 1. It says, after this, I heard what sounded like the roar of a great multitude in heaven. Now who is the I here? Who's writing this? Well, this is the Apostle John. And John was one of the disciples. You know, Peter, James, and John were kind of the three that were really close to Jesus. There were 12 disciples, and there were three that Jesus really invested in. And John was with Jesus. John was the only disciple who was there at the cross. John was at the, the tomb, the empty tomb. John saw Jesus after his resurrection. And John becomes a leader in the early church. And then persecution breaks out against the church. And, and all of the disciples are martyred for their faith. They die for their faith, except John. John was exiled to the island of Patmos. And on the island, God pulls back the curtains and says, John, take a look and write it down. I want you to see what all is going to happen for history. It's going to come down to this. So John's writing this, and he says, I hear this great multitude in heaven. Think about, think about all the people who've ever lived, who've been followers of Christ. Think about all the tribes and all the nations now gathered together in worship and they were shouting, hallelujah. Hallelujah means God be praised. God be praised. Hallelujah. Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. For true and just are his judgments. He condemns the great prostitute who corrupted the earth by her adulteries. He has avenged on her the blood of his servants. See, who's the great prostitute? What does that mean? Well, if you go back to Revelation 17 and 18, 
it's talking about Babylon. And Babylon was the nation that had, had conquered Judah back in 586 B.C. But Babylon really represents kind of the things of the world. Babylon became this representation for, for power and money and wealth and kind of all the things that the world would say. Really, Babylon represented sin. And so what it's seeing here is praise be to God who ultimately conquers sin, who makes a way for us. How incredible to think about when sin is totally conquered. You know, the Bible says that in heaven, God will wipe away every tear from our eye. Can you imagine no more pain? Can you imagine no more suffering? Can you imagine everything being made right? That's what God's doing. And that's why the multitude is shouting, yes, you know, but no more of this. Only the good things, only the good things of God. Hallelujah, they shouted. And the smoke from her goes up forever and ever. The 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God who was seated on the throne. And they cried, amen, hallelujah. Then a voice came from the throne saying, praise our God, all you servants. You who fear him, both small and great. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and like the loud peals of thunder shouting, Hallelujah! Right? God be praised. For our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give Him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come and His bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints. See, all of history is culminating in this giant wedding celebration. It's going to be awesome. And the bridegroom is Jesus Christ. And the bride is his church. His church. Big C church. That you have a relationship with God through Jesus. You become a part of the church. That's why we are always encouraging people, hey, join the church, you know. Be a part of the church. If it's not here, find a place. But be a part and lock arms together because Jesus is coming back for the church. Now, if you know anything about Jewish weddings, this thing plays out just like a Jewish wedding would. Because in Jewish weddings, it would arrange marriages, right? And the families would come together, and then they would pay the bride price, which was a dowry. It was, it was a large sum of money for, for the bride, and then the bride and the groom would have a chance to meet, and the bride could say, no way, you know, or if she said yes, then they were entering into this relationship. And then the groom would meet his bride, and he would go off for a period. He would go off to, to build a house, to prepare a place. He would go off to, to find, you know, a job, the income. And then at some point, he's coming back for his bride, and he sweeps her off his, her feet, right, and takes her for a huge wedding and a huge celebration and, and God's like that's what's happening and Jesus came and paid the bride price which was his blood poured out on the cross no greater price has ever been paid and then Jesus goes as he says to prepare a place but at one point he's coming back for his church and he's going to sweep us off the feet he's going to take us back he's going to have this huge celebration the personal commitment that we make to Christ, you know, the hoopas that we talked about last week, that personal commitment to Christ, and then the huge celebration that follows, all for the glory of God. The bridegroom, Jesus, the bride, the church. And then, did you notice this? 
It, it says fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. What, what is that? That's, that's the wedding dress, right? That, that's what we wear in the presence of God. Ephesians chapter 5, a lot of times we use this at weddings or we talk about this in marriage counseling. But, but really look at this relationship here. It says in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 25, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. Notice that. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. That's how much Jesus loves his church. The church is the vehicle by which God does his work in the world. The church becomes the hands and feet of Christ. And we are the church. Wow, what an incredible privilege to be the church. And then think about that, that what we wear to the wedding, fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. The fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints. Now, it's not the righteous acts that we do that save us, okay? It's not works-based theology. You see, when you die, and all of us will die, we don't like to talk about it, but the fact of the matter is this, we will all die. And immediately when we die, we will stand before God, and every one of us will have to give an account of our lives. And he's going to ask us this question, what did you do with my son, Jesus Christ? You know, did you believe that he was just a good man? Did you believe that he was a prophet? Or did you believe and accept that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and Lord of your life? The Bible says, for if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So every one of us is going to have to give an account about that. And then, if you say, hey, Jesus Christ is my Lord, enter into your kingdom, right? Come on in, come on, and we go on into this place. But when we stand there at the wedding feast of the Lamb, we're clothed with the righteous things that we've done. We're clothed with the things that we've done for the glory of God. It's not what saves us, but it's our offering back to Him. And I can't wait for that because I think you and I, you're going to be so surprised. You're going to be standing there and there's going to be people who are going to say, you know what, you impacted my life. And you're going to be like, what? I don't even know. You know, yeah, but you prayed for me or you visited me. You know what, or you gave financially. You helped me when I'm in a tough place. And you're like, I had no clue. I had no idea. There's going to be people in your family tree later on who are going to look back and go, thank you. Thank you. You impacted our entire family. You're just going to be like, I had no idea. Praise be to God. Hallelujah. Right? All of this back to you, God. All of this for your glory. We are clothed in the righteous things that we do for him. And the incredible opportunity that we have on this earth right now to live our lives in such a way that glory is brought to our God. Then the angel said to me, write, like get it, make sure, write this down. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb, exclamation point. And he added, these are the true words of God. You know, God wants us to know this. God wants us to know how to live. 
At this, I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, do not worship me. No, don't do it. I'm a fellow servant with you and with your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. He's like, come on, man. No, no, don't worship me. You, know, you don't worship angels. We don't worship other people. We worship God. God's the one who redeems. God's the one who restores. God's the one who makes things right. I love what it says in Titus, Titus chapter 3. It says, at one time we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. I mean, think about your life before Christ. Kind of sums it up, doesn't it? I mean, you were living for yourself. It was all about you. It was your passions. It was your pleasures. It was all about, you know, furthering your own kingdom. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. It's like our life before Christ, right? What can I do for me? What can people do for me? How can you please me? Now look at verse 4. But, but when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. Not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. Praise God. I mean, that's a hallelujah right there, right? I mean, that God, even when we were dead in our sins and our transgressions, God made us alive in Christ. God did what we could never do. God paid the price for us so that we could become heirs. And that is worthy of a celebration. John Piper writes this. John Piper says, Jesus is not just a king. He is a betrothed king, an engaged king. And soon he will be a married king. His betrothed bride is the people of God, the people who trust him. He came the first time 2,000 years ago to die for his bride, to pay a dowry, as it were, with his own blood. And he will come a second time to marry her and take us, his church, into the gardens and chambers of his love and joy forever. <laughs> See, that's what God's doing. And that's where history will culminate in this huge celebration. You know, what you celebrate shows what you value. I mean, think about it. What you celebrate shows what you value. Yeah, Lisa and I, we, we celebrate our marriage. We wanted to have a big celebration, right? Because we valued our relationship. It was important. You celebrate what you value. The shepherd who lost the sheep, he valued that one sheep. I mean, imagine God saying, hey, I'm going to leave the I want to go after that one. You matter to God. He values you. you. You can look at companies and you can see what they value as a company. By what they celebrate. Do they celebrate their people or do they always celebrate their earnings per share? You know what I mean? Is it their stock rise or is it people? I mean, everybody, what about you? You as a family or you as an individual, what do you celebrate? Because what you celebrate shows what you value. I mean, do, do you celebrate birthdays? That's great. Some of you, you're like big birthday celebrators, right? But you, you celebrate because you value the person. And so you're like, we're going to celebrate you. You are important. Do you celebrate anniversaries? Guys, helpful hint. It's important to celebrate anniversaries, okay? I'll just tell you. You know, your wife may say it's no big deal. It's only three years. It's a big deal, okay? It's a big deal. Nine years, big deal. Celebrate that. It shows what you value, right? How about spiritual birthdays? 
Do you ever think, you know, hey, I want to celebrate our, our, our spiritual birthday. I want to celebrate what God's done in my life over the last, you know, three years, five years, ten years. I want to celebrate what God's done in the life of my family or the lives of my kids. I want to celebrate those things because it shows what you value. As a nation, you know, we are probably value most of all the Super Bowl. I mean, we have more parties and celebrations around the Super Bowl than anything else. And, and it's okay to have Super Bowl parties, but, but what about you as an individual? What about you as a family? What about us as the people of God? What do we value? And it shows what we celebrate. Here at Rolling Hills, we value life change. We value life change in Christ. We know it's Christ who redeems and restores. We know it's Christ who changes lives. So we celebrate baptisms. I mean, it's awesome when people are baptized because that's an outward expression of what God's doing in their heart and their life. That's a celebration. And we, we celebrate when people join the church. We celebrate new partners and saying, hey, we're in this thing together. Let's lock arms. Let's serve. That's important. We celebrate spiritual growth. And we celebrate marriage. It's important. I mean, you know, marriage isn't always easy. But marriage impacts generations, and we celebrate that. In fact, I want to do something today. I want to ask you, if you have been married more than five years, would you just stand up? If you've been married more than five years, would you stand up? Wow. Good job. I just want to give you a hand. Way to go, way to go, way to go, way to go. All right. Stay standing, stay standing, because I know it's not always easy, right? It's not always easy, but, but, but listen, God's always with you, right? All right, if you've been married more than 10 years, more than 10 years, wow. Okay, if you've been married more than 15 years, Holy cow, this is pretty incredible. All right, have you been married more than 20 years? i got to sit down. I haven't been married 20 years yet, so it's called to sit down here. Hey, but you guys are giving me something to aspire to. This is great. All right, 25 years, 25 years. Wow, yeah, let's just give it a hand. That's awesome. All right, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to get it on. 30 years, 30 years. Holy cow. Way to go. All right. 35 years. 35 years? Unbelievable. All right. 40 years. 40 years. All right. We still got some going. All right. All right. 40 years. 45 years? 45 years? No way. Oh, Y'all don't look old enough for 45 years. All right. All right. 50 years. Anybody 50? 50 back there? Way to go. Y'all are winners. All right. How long has it been? Hey, wait. I need one person to come down here. Can one of y'all come down? I have, a, I have a, a gift for you. Oh, there's two? Oh, wait, there's somebody else? Oh, right there. Find this pole. Who put this pole up here? All right. All right. Okay. How many, how many years? 56. Wow. All right. How many? How many right there? 57? All right. Who's 57? I think it's 57 the winner. Come on up. 57. You guys. Here, I'll just, uh, I'll meet you right there. 57 years. You know what? For all of us, that's an inspiration. Because I know it probably hasn't always been easy, but you guys have been faithful. And we just want to say thank you and take her to dinner, Carabas, and y'all go enjoy. All right? <laughs> You're welcome.
Thank you, guys. I mean, that's, just, that's faithfulness, right? That's a legacy. That's an impact. And we want to celebrate that as a church. And we want for all of us, right, to have those years. And for all of us to keep growing in our marriage. And marriage takes work. I mean, you know, it does. It takes work and it takes time. It takes prayer. It takes effort. But that's awesome. You know what else as a church, we just have to celebrate as people take next steps. As people grow in their spiritual life. And not only today are we kind of concluding this series, God's Pursuit of You, we're also concluding we've been in a two-year initiative. And we started in March of 2014 by challenging all of us as a church to take next steps. And we said as a church, we want to we take a next step in three areas. Reaching out, growing up, giving all. And we challenged everybody to take a next step in reaching out, to give 2% of your time to make a difference locally, nationally, or internationally. And then we said, you know, growing up, we said, hey, we want to challenge everybody. We're going to read through the entire Bible in two years. And so we want to do that every morning. We called it a daily step, reading through the Bible and praying and establishing that personal time with the Lord. And then we said giving all. We said we want to challenge everybody. If you're not yet tithing, that you would be a tither, that you would start tithing, trusting God in your finances. First 10% back to God, save 10%, live on 80%, right? Live below your means. And then giving over and above. And guys, God has done an incredible work over the last two years. And we just have to celebrate that. Uh, I want to show you some pictures uh, right here. This is just exciting, but this is baptism, right? And we've had so many people who've been baptized who said, you know what, as an outward expression of what God's done in my life, I am committing to follow him. And I'm going to be baptized. If we celebrate that, we celebrated the baptisms last Sunday. We were awesome. Every week, there's people that are saying, you know what, God's working in my heart and my life. And I feel like I'm taking that next step. And maybe for you, that's baptism. But we celebrate that. This is a community group meeting, right? And, and for many people, over the last two years, you've gotten involved in the community group. And we want to say, way to go. Because it's always awkward going up to some strange person's house and knocking on the door. And like, that's scary, right? But you do, and you engage, and you find community. And you find people you share life with, and you grow with spiritually. That's awesome. That's spiritual growth. This is from the PATH Project. And some people will say, hey, my commitment is going to be to give back locally. And I don't know if you realize this, but, but we work in Franklin Estates, which is about two miles from here, one of the lowest income areas in Franklin. And, and every day on Tuesdays and Thursdays, we do after-school tutoring. And test scores have gone through the roof over at Poplar Grove and in different schools because you guys are sacrificing. And I love it. The most incredible people, beautiful, wonderful, and people part of our church and are serving, and we're locking arms together. But that's us as a church. Uh, this is the church has left the building. <laughs> Hundreds of us, you know, on a Sunday morning, that's coming up in May. We go out and we start to serve just in our community and all over the place. This is uh, the next one. Not only that, is this is international missions. And this is in the Amazon. And over the last two years, we've had literally hundreds of people go to the Amazon or go to South Africa or go to Moldova and work with people all around the world. And maybe that's scary or intimidating to do an international mission trip. But we want to celebrate as people step past their fear and trust God to go and to serve. And the difference that's being made. This, you guys, is the treehouse. All right? You may not have ever been to the treehouse because you're not three, four, or five years old. But right behind you is a huge preschool area that didn't exist a year ago. <laughs> we were building that. 
And in fact, when we started in 2014 as a church, we said we need to have more preschool space, we need to upgrade our student space, and that's been a huge part. And so your generosity and your giving has allowed us now to have preschool space. And last Sunday, you know, we had three worship services, 8, 9.30, and 11. Well, at the 9.30 service, that was the treehouse with over 100 three, four, and five-year-olds, just those three ages, in the treehouse. That makes a difference. This, you guys, is our grace house. So we have a treehouse, and we have a grace house. And the grace house is in Moldova. And these kids right here are kids that you're investing in from right here in Middle Tennessee. And I know maybe you've never been to Moldova, but I want to tell you you're making a difference in these lives. And Moldova is the poorest, smallest country in the former Soviet Union that sits between the Ukraine and Romania. Moldova's distinction, it's a country of 4 million, over 60% of girls trafficked into prostitution in Eastern Europe come out of this country, and it broke our hearts. And as a church, we said we've got to do something. And so by your generosity, we own a house called the Grace House in the middle of Chisinau, the capital of Moldova, and these are some of our kids. We have a boy's house, we have a girl's house, and you guys, because of your faithful giving and your praying and your serving and your going, are making a difference that's impacting in a country. And these kids who didn't have a whole lot of hope in a future now have a hope in a future because of what you're investing in. And I want to say thank you, and I want to celebrate that. <laughs> Praise God. You know? I mean, every one of them represents a life, and they represent a story. And church, I love serving our God with you. Now, now here's the great news today is this, is God is not finished with any of us, you know? You may think about a big wedding coming up, and you're like, I, I got nothing to wear. Okay, listen, you got time to get ready. Righteous acts of the saints. So we got time to serve him. We got time to bring glory to our great God. And if you notice inside out the gallery, we have a next steps booth. And God is calling all of us not to stop and say, oh, well, next steps is done, but for all of us to keep growing in our spiritual life, for to keep taking next steps. And so I want to challenge you, well, what is your next step? Maybe for you, it is baptism. Maybe for you, it's, you know what, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to follow Him. Maybe, maybe for you, it's, it's being a part of a small group or a Bible study. Maybe for you, it's joining the church and saying, all right, I'm ready to lock arms. Maybe, maybe for you, it's a mission trip. Or maybe for you, it's leading a small group. I don't know what it is, but I know God has a plan for all of us. And God says, you never stop growing. You never stop becoming because there's a celebration that's going to come. It's going to be incredible, and it's going to be awesome. But you have the chance, and I have the chance to get ready now. You have the chance to do something now for the glory of God. You know what? Jesus took 11 men, and he changed the world. <laughs> right? And why? Because love is contagious. And the problem most of us have is not that we don't love God enough. It's that we don't realize how much God actually loves us. And when we realize how much God loves us, there is something so freeing about that. We want to serve him, not so that he will accept us, but because he accepts us. Because his love compels us to be the men and women that he's called us to be. And God is not finished with any of our stories. God is still writing. And the best, I believe, is yet to be in your life. Would you trust him? Would you follow him? Would you invest your life for his name and for his glory? This morning, we, we want to close in just a little bit different way. I'm going to invite our worship team to come. And I'm going to invite us in just a moment. I want to pray a blessing over us. And then I'm going to invite us to stand. And we're just going to have a time of worship. 
praise God, to celebrate, to say hallelujah, right? God be praised. But let me pray a blessing over us right now. Father, thank you for your church. God, thank you for men and women who love you, Jesus, and who are passionate about serving you and bringing glory to your name in our day and our generation. Oh, Father, none of us are perfect, but God, we are redeemed by the blood of Christ. And when you look at us, God, you smile. And Father, I thank you that all of history is leading up to a big celebration. And God, that we get to be a part of that celebration. And Father, I pray for us as, as Christ followers, as your church, I pray that you would find us faithful, that we would always be growing, that we would always be moving forward. The celebration is a time for us to look back and to remember, but also a time for us to look forward at what you're going to do. And Father, this morning we come with great expectations. Thank you, God, for what you've done in our lives individually over these last couple years, the way you've brought us through challenges and difficulties, the way that, God, you are with us. And God, thank you that you promised to never leave us or forsake us. Oh, God, the best is yet to be. Thank you, Father. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's just stand together and let's make a declaration. God, we worship you. We celebrate all you're doing in our lives.